Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylord, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the 40K Fireside. I'm David Gaylord, and I'm joined by the now two-time super major winner vic vj joining the illustrious <laughs> club of myself and i don't know who else ennis <laughs> ennis ennis as well the uh, ennis wilson but as uh, as i've just implied vic absolutely crushed and took down the leicester super major seven rounder 235 players i want to say over the weekend both of us had an absolutely fantastic time Vic more than myself, of course. <laughs> but oh, you know, well. we both went technically undefeated, I presume, in the event. Yeah, Dave. Dave, you also went completely undefeated. Both of us did at this event, so we both had a great event, both in terms of the actual Warhammer that we played, but also I think the event was was incredible. So yeah. it was yeah. uh, it was a really good time, really good vibes. It was a nice uh, a nice follow through from Coventry in a lot of ways, I think, because we had such a great time there as well from the atmosphere and all the players there and all the great games. Absolutely no drama again on this weekend, which mm-hmm. for that that brings it to, I think, 15 games straight, which is uh, really good for the UKTC scene as well. Um, so it's just fantastic. So today, of course, we're going to be covering off our lists and we're going to be talking first about our pre-cut games. So uh, games one to five for the both of us. And then we'll do a deep dive focus on Vic's two final games, both of which are really cool. Uh, so... Let's get cracked into it. Vic, how were you, uh, what were your thoughts going into the tournament? Uh, so, I mean, we discussed it in depth in our previous episode, if anyone wants to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I kind of went in with very little expectations. I was very busy on the up, run up to, to the event. I had to do a little bit of hobby to get the uh, the demons part of the list made up. And I, I just knew I wasn't going in with very much practice and... You know, I was kind of trying to, um, my practice was you playing games and me trying to take information out of you to, to work out how to use this army properly. So uh, which, I, get, I get a little bit of the victory as well. Definitely. And the thing is, um, like me watching you play in your practice games, just a couple of them, uh, really um, helped me understand what the more optimal ways of playing this list are. And it's uh, it's one of those ones where it's not, absolutely obvious immediately the best way to play this army and uh, you know i gotta give you credit for your uh, your diligence and your hard work before the event started what about you dave how was uh, how was your pre-game run-up pre-tournament yeah it was run-up? definitely an interesting one because i got basically my entire army on tuesday unpainted <laughs> so um yeah i basically painted my entire army from tuesday to friday and i was painting it and gold trimming it on friday night in the airbnb <laughs> with the team um, <laughs> so yeah it was definitely interesting and i was playing a few games in there as well because i mean you gotta take a break from painting at some point don't you but sure. um yeah no it was definitely uh stressful but kind of fun stressful going into it um as well but i think like we both knew that we were going to have so much fun playing this army because from what we'd already played beforehand we knew that it was just such a intricate army that kind of rewarded high player skill so yeah i was really um like really stoked going into the tournament and um more so than that we had seven people from our team come up which is basically all of the active members so that was awesome we had six people in the airbnb uh, we rented out a big one in leicester and so it was great vibes it was actually uh my birthday over the weekend on saturday so we booked a 10 person uh 10 person restaurant and just you know as, like what more do you want in a weekend right you got way more 40k with some of your best mates you've got you know dinner out on saturday night you got some drinks you're winning tournaments you know or you're going undefeated what more do you want from an event right yeah absolutely fantastic event and uh yeah i'd say this is probably my favorite warhammer tournament that i've ever been to um yeah. just every single thing about it was great and um <clears throat> We'll go on to talking about all of our games in a bit, but yeah. every single person I played at this tournament was so nice and so lovely. Um, yeah. It was it was really a joy all the way through, and and I left feeling so kind of fresh and happy. Um, yeah. So, Dave, you did mention gold trim. 
for for people who um haven't listened to the last episode uh aren't following what we're kind of running we were running the thousand suns uh and uh, a detachment of flamers so thousand suns and flamers which we both feel is probably one of the stronger if not the strongest army in the game yep. um and dave i don't know if you want to do a quick rundown just of the the kind of list that we we both ran yeah, so Vix and I, Vic and I's list were really similar. Um, the only difference was, uh, and I'll get to it in a second here, was that I had a Rhino and Vic basically had an upgraded change caster to a Fate Skimmer. But aside from that, you've got an Exalted Sorcerer who um, is basically a Mortal Wound bomb. He can cast four, up to four spells reliably, and he can learn other spells, so he does a truck of like, a metric ton of damage. And you've got Araman, who kind of has your two buff spells and a damage spell, and he's super reliable and fast. Then you've got Infernal Master, uh, which has your packs. Then you've, uh, we both had six squads of Rubik Marines uh, with, um, I had pl- I was playing full Soul Reapers and you were playing um, four or five Soul Reapers. Four, I think. yeah. Four Soul Reapers, there you go. And then we both played 14 Flamers in different configurations. You played five, five, four, and then I played six, five, three. And then we also had 10 Terminators, of course. And then where I had the uh, Change Caster and the Rhino, you had the Fate Skimmer. And so the Fate Skimmer is kind of a better caster, gets plus one to cast, a bigger base, and he's got some melee as well. Where I was just playing the Changecaster, who's a small little 32mm base guy who just walks around on foot as well. Yep, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had very, very similar spells and etc. Yep. Little differences on the spells, but essentially the same kind of rough outline of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now this basically had, there were some minor differences, and I think chalk and cheese. It's difficult, yeah, that we, exactly. neither, it's difficult that neither of us took a loss because we couldn't really point to where the list didn't perform in some ways, right? So, and you know, we'll never actually fully know because Flames will probably get nerfed for the next, the next <laughs> tournament. We'll never fully know whose list was better. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But um, yeah, so that's the list that we took, guys. Um, like I said, um, Vic and I both felt it was a list that was fun to play because it was different from what we normally played. But it was also a list that really rewarded player skill. Um, and of, of, of course, it was strong. And, you know, we were playing Flames, of course. But Flames, believe it or not, are not the be all end all of the list. I think we both definitely came to that conclusion they're definitely strong and they're too tanky for their points but the real strength of the list is how flexible it is and its ability to zig and zag in situations where your opponent presents problems um you know if they're going really fast or playing really aggressive you can actually redeploy a lot of your army on one turn you've got two teleports and one movement spell to do so and you can move block as well and then you can mortal wound and actually apply pressures on other sides of the board so it really um it really is very dynamic and it's always fun to play an army like that right yeah 100 percent. so such a, a an army that expresses player skill very well mm-hmm. um and i think you know you can lose with this army if you don't play it well but you'll win most, if not all, of your games if you play it correctly for the situation. And yeah. it gives you all the tools to do that. So that's and that's what we like. There's a big asterisk next to correctly as well. Because correctly to play this army op, like 100% optimally is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly don't think I played any game 100% optimally as well. There was like a, a ton of room for improvements in, in a lot of my games. Um, you know, minor things. Um, and sometimes big things, but we'll get to that when I talk about some games. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I um, I think, say, in all of my first five games, the pre-cut games, I definitely, like, kept seeing, oh, if only I'd moved this here. Oh, if only I'd cast this spell in this order. Uh, Would have made a difference, even though it didn't affect the outcome. Um, because there's just so many different choices you need to do. Yep. But by the last two games, I, I got it down. I got, got it, it down. down. Those were perfect games. They were, <laughs> as good as I could see it. The apex uh, of 40k right there. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into the games. Um, I, we, it, funnily enough, um, we had two very different runs for the, for the tournament, I think. And yeah. Vic and I are, are experienced enough tournament players to know that Sometimes in a tournament, you just you get a bit of a you get a bit of a harder run. Sometimes you get a mm-hmm. bit of an easier run, and that's just the way. That's just the nature of tournaments, guys. And to refresh the tournament um, structure, it's two hundred thirty-five players. You play five rounds, and then the top four victory point um, players go to a cut. So then it goes to um, top four playing, and then top two playing. So a total of seven rounds, and so that roughly left I think about eight undefeated players. Uh, after the fifth round so it's this is a tournament structure where it's important to score a lot of victory points as well and yeah. so what i think can happen and what and what does happen and i've been on the i've been on the receiving end of this in a positive way in a lot of ways in the two super majors i won is that uh in the top cut i 
Um, I scored, I would manage to score very highly and get into the top cut. Whereas um, the games that I had this weekend, I had a string of really tough games. And actually, I wasn't able to score enough points. I think I came eighth in the tournament overall on points in the 5-0 and o bracket. I uh, wasn't scoring enough points to get to that top cut. So that's kind of, I think that's definitely the two different tracks that we had, right? Yeah, for sure. I think you had a much tougher run than me. And I was, in a way, very lucky through my run um, that I got the kind of matchups. So particularly faction matchups, even if there were some decent players in there, okay. some faction matchups that really worked in my favor. And to put that into context, my first four games were pretty much over by turn two, with two of them pretty much over by turn one. Yeah. Um, so I had multiple rounds where I finished within an hour and I was walking around for two hours. Uh, yeah. and there was one game where I was finished underneath 30 minutes as well so um, <laughs> whereas Dave not quite so much yeah, let's kick it off so uh, the pairings get drawn on Thursday night and I've got none, none, none other than Blood Angels on round one Dawn of War Ouch. so this this if you guys know uh, is the army that Manny Chima lost to uh, in, um, in America and is kind of known as a little bit of a good matchup for blood angels right particularly yeah. because they're all damage two minimum they um have no no psychers and they have quite good secondaries so they could take abhor the witch and two other very good faction secondaries and then they can pre-game move well, on this mission they couldn't which was my lucky part uh but they can pr they could move and move quickly and then if they connect into things then they basically kill whatever they touch even if it's uh terminators as well um so, so my opponent had like a, another meta Blood Angels list, thankfully I went first in that mission as well because that meant that he couldn't castle up his entire army into the middle L. So I managed to get a win out of that one. I think I got maybe, we're going to look it up here. That's the production quality we've got these days. Uh, I managed to get an 85 point win mm -hmm. on that one. That's so it. That's good. That's that. You would think that's good, but honestly in, in a tournament this stacked, an 85 point win is actually on the lower side if you want to try and make the cups top four, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I think um, that's a that's a relatively small win here. Um, and actually with Thousand Sons as well, that is a relatively small win. It is an army that can score highly. So you obviously were under some pressure throughout this game, probably on the primary or yeah. something. I just couldn't play too aggressively, otherwise he yeah. was going to get me in trouble. Um, sure. And then uh, round two. What am I up against round two? Um, I'm up against none other than a, than a direct copy of your list of it, more or less, um, Emperor's Children. So I've nice. got Emperor's Children on uh, Data's Cry Salvage, hold two, I believe, uh, and <laughs> um, by a guy named uh, Lee Churchwood, who a uh, really nice guy, man. Um, we had a great it game. Was lovely. Um, and uh, yeah, like a straight up meta, uh, meta list. I went first. This is a great game. I went first this game, unfortunately, as well. And... I, I had a little. I had a. I positioned a Rubik squad in the medium L on the ruin and one of the middle objectives, because I knew that he wanted to. Of course, as Empress Children, you want to move your Terminators into a centralized, threatening position on turn one, if not get a turn one charge. So I was like, look, if he goes for a charge on his Terminators and my Rubik Marines, at least I get a crack back with my entire army into his Terminators. So Lee gets all of the buffs off on the Terminators, six inch auto advance, and then six inch subbed in charge makes the charge, kills all my Rubik Marines, but. And this is the power of the army, guys. I think I'd killed eight and a half Terminators just in the psychic phase. <laughs> Through a five up, feel no pain. So he had, he had like, no, seven and a half. I think he had two and a half Terminators left. So that's 21. That's like 22 mortals through five up, feel no pain. Um, so yeah, the game was going quite well after that. I managed to clear up. Basically, I killed his entire Terminator brick and a noise marine brick. And then it was up to him how to play after that. And um, yeah, he played really well. He he decided to start to play really cagey, which was definitely the correct move. And that actually meant that I couldn't really sit on many of the objectives or score as highly as I would have liked as well. And then he also has the four up to nine Abaddon um, against the psychic secondaries as well. So I only managed to get 77 points that game. And Ouch. 77 points, if 85 is not good, then 77 is definitely yeah. not good as well. You can't make the cut if you take a, a small win like that. Yeah. Just to put it in perspective, guys, some people had dropped 25 points over five games total. So I'd already dropped 23 in one game. And, you know, I've been, I mean, I've been there where I dropped at LVO. I think I dropped like nine points over six games or something. It was something ridiculous, like 15 points over six games or something like that. Um, and that's just, that's just how it be sometimes. But... <laughs> 
Round three. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you do your... Because your round three, four, and five are all, like, extremely interesting tight games. Okay, you go through, uh, you go through your I'm gonna I'm going to smash through all of my pre-cut games here. Because um, I can bunch them up quite nicely. So, my round one... Uh, and my round two were both Imperial Knights players. The first one was Will Nelson, and the second was George from our team. Now, uh, both of them had a free blade lance, which is uh, kind of you can mix and match your traits on your knights. And the main thing is that you kind of give out multiple uh, four up invulns and minus one damage uh, buffs to your knights. Now, Will had one extra tech piece. He basically had the Knight Chaplain in his list. And the Knight Chaplain can cast, I think, three litanies or something. And one of the key litanies in there is a nine-inch aura of five-up Feel No Pain against Mortal Wounds. Yeah, that's so I know, right? So uh, that game was dragged out a little bit because it was actually a, a bit tough to chew through. Um, it go they go off on a two plus, and right. the, I waited until the turn he missed that five up field of pain, <laughs> and I just went in really hard. George, on the other hand, doesn't have access to that. Um, George kind of went into the game thinking, right, I'm going to lose this game, uh, but. My win condition is if I deploy everything on the front line and I get first turn, I'm just going to go and take board presence and try and kind of pressure Vic out. Screws you Be- up again. Because George's thing is that he knows that as as a player, I'm very good in a passive slow game. Towards Mm -hmm. the end of the game, I can grind people out of points because I'm quite good at counting points. Mm -hmm. Um, So George was like, let's make it aggressive so that Vic doesn't play the kind of playstyle he likes. Unfortunately, George went second. He lost uh, almost five nights. He definitely lost four. Um, And he was move blocked in his deployment zone. And and he wasn't able to kind of um, play out from there. So he actually conceded on turn one. Yeah, and uh, by the way, you double Infernal Gateway him, yeah, uh, which hit like five knights, and then he his knights also exploded or something, right? Yeah, his knight exploded, and then I had a full round of shooting into whatever was left in that corner, so basically an entire flank disappeared. So it's pretty uh, hard to win the game when you get triple Infernal Gateway. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work out very well. So uh, George uh, George just laughed laughed that one off, and uh, we moved on. Yeah, yeah. Um, my round three uh, was against William Reed with Death Guard, and Death Guard have a really tough time against this list. The, the mortal wounds go straight through their protection with their minus one damage uh will was was so nice um like i got a little bit lost in the morning on the way to the tournament and he kind of helped me find a little shortcut to get to the venue and you know he introduced himself before i even met him for the game and stuff and he was just a joy to play against as my round three on day one and then we moved on to playing Chris. Now, Chris is number one Space Wolf player in the world. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, Space Wolves don't have a great game in this one. Um, Will, uh, Chris had practiced this because uh, one of his uh, teammates in the Savvy Submarine is Kev was playing um, uh, Thousand Suns and Flamers list. And he'd been able to get a bit of practice in and he'd won the practice game. Mm. But in the actual game we played, um, essentially, if I just focus on secondaries, I'll hold back and just play eight on the primary. It's impossible for him to win no matter what he does, because two of his secondaries require interaction with me. Uh, He has a librarian as well, a single librarian. It's it's just a disaster against Thousand Suns, because there's a a Thousand Suns secondary, Wrath of Magnus, where you essentially have to cast more of three different categories of spells than your opponent if they have a Psyker in their army. And it's just an auto 15 almost if they have one Psyker in their army. Um, So, yeah, Uh, Chris conceded that after a little bit of a couple of turns um, and we just kind of played it out as if there was a passive game. And then, uh, yeah, I moved on to my round five, which was actually an extremely eye-opening game for me. Um, This game was against Nathan Roberts. I've played Nathan multiple times now, but at this tournament, he was playing a pure demons list. And he'd gone for a list where he had no big demons. He only had two demon princes and then as like loads of small stuff everywhere. Well, uh, well, he only had one weapon type, basically, right? Well, interestingly, he had like three exalted flames and three burning chariots in the list. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> which surprisingly is a very good profile into T-Suns at minus four AP and two damage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's actually a really good list. But the big thing... This was a bad matchup for Nathan. He you went in saying, "That's why I was making the joke." He had eight. Oh right, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Nathan knew this was a bad matchup for him. It's an uphill game for him. But just 
the amount of kind of sloppy mistakes and poor play that I made in this game was, this is one of the worst games of 40k I've ever played. I picked the wrong secondaries. I never do that. I picked the wrong secondaries. And I like moved in such a way where I didn't really keep my stuff, enough stuff in cover. I wasn't planning a turn head. I was just tired and just didn't really feel like playing. Um, but then he stopped me every now and then and said, look, Vic, you know, are you sure you don't want to do this? Do X, Y, Z? Are you sure that, you know, you didn't mean to sequence it in this order? And he was just so nice to me through this game. And like, it just made, it gave me so much focus going into my last two rounds, this, because I was like, there's no reason why I need to play like this. I know the stuff Nathan's telling me here and I can play like really well. So I really appreciate Nathan. Uh, He's a top guy and he's kind of involved with Team England and everything. And um, yeah, Yeah. so thanks for the game. And then scored 100 points, right? Pick the wrong secondaries, yeah. As in, I picked secondaries which I should have picked uh, easier ones. Yeah, they, they're all hundred score. They're like maximum scoring secondaries, but I could have done it in a much more kind of elegant way. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I was just joking. That you I mean, it's it's like scored hundred points. <laughs> he has like nine characters, and I didn't pick psychic interrogation. Like it's, and I had to stretch to try and get mutate in this game. Uh, oh right, yeah. right, stuff like that. Assassinate mental interrogation. The classic nonbo, <laughs> non-combo. Yeah, that's it, man. So and then, basically, after that, top cut, right? They yeah, top, top cut. cut. So yeah. we can bounce back to you because you had some uh, some oh, epic yeah, games. Twice, man. Yeah, I think probably. I mean, was this the most? I don't know if my next round was the most dramatic table of the tournament. There was I, a lot of people watching that game. Gosh, everyone to wanted to know what was going to go on. Go away for a bit now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my. Not my arch nemesis, Marcus. I played Marcus Henson round three, who um, who I played at Coventry round one, and then I lost to slash one by two points or eight points because I had the 10-point VP deduction. Now, Marcus is a lovely guy, man, but he's also quite good at 40K, and he definitely knows his list very well. Um, definitely loves a few beers or two as well. Um, he's, a, he's a really nice guy, man. Um, type of game where you're like, oh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? You know. It's, it's you know it's the exact type of games of 40k that you that you want to play you know um and so man this game was uh this list is i'm telling you this list is not bad man this list is the house raven list two big knights uh like and six little ones um and then he he's got the um you know he's got the four bonds which give him blister skill two and then his whole army counts as stationary after advancing and shooting and they're all quest mechanicus so they all have he all has access to the five up Fiona Pain strat against mortal wounds, which is obviously great. But mate, there's one knight, and this knight ruined me the last game as well. It's the one where you can spam calculated targeting on, and this mm-hmm. is what he does as well. Spams calculated targeting, which guys, if you don't know, can if on a six to wound converts the damage that would have been done straight into mortals. Like for the for every weapon you shoot from the knight, not just pick one weapon, but every weapon you shoot. For three CP, sounds like a lot of CP, but they get three between every two turns because they get two and then they get one. And then they can even get one from Renew those. But yeah, I just, I, I did not play this game well. I played aggressively with my Terminators turn one, which was a mistake. I should have waited to turn two. And then after that, I just, I just, um, I just had a difficult time calculating my damage outputs and then had too much redundancy left over as well. And then, uh, yeah, his, his big knight on his turn one cracked back and popped off, lost all my Terminators, um, fully buffed. He just, man, the Reaper Chain Cannon, uh, it's like a Relic Gatling Cannon or something yep. like that, does 12 plus D6 more, um, uh, wounds, uh, shots. And, like, he cracked off rolls, like, you know, four sixes or something like that to wound, and, like, take, like, 10 mortals, and, like, great. Or, like, 12 or something like that. Man, yeah. it has a really rough game. Uh, he's also got the Warlord trait on sixes to wound, deal immortals, so it stacks with the... Um, Calculated targeting really well. But anyway, so the game goes on. Marcus is like, oh, I think you got it in the bag. It's right, fine. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, mate, I'm pretty sure I'm like losing by like a point or two. Gets to turn, gets to turn four. I'm doing everything I can. Even <laughs> and and um, so at turn four and five, quite a lot of people looking around because I'm apparently Dave, quite stressed. You're I was, red, I was determined Dave. not to lose this game. <laughs> There's a like, vein showing on your forehead here because you're <laughs> concentrating so much. Because what happened last time is I, I, what happened in our previous game is I think I didn't calculate the points and then I could have, I could have won if I had played better in that last point. So I was like, I was determined not to make that same mistake again, you know, so I was adding the points up and analyzing the board position 
thinking and then like okay if he kills this and this you'll be at this many points etc etc so we map everything out i go okay this is our best way like this is the great game you want like you want to be able to talk with your opponent and be like what's the best way for me to score points blah 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 what's the best way for you and etc etc et so we do that and it turns out i'm winning by like uh three points or something right so i'm like okay i'm just gonna do this and then we we play the turn and then we we score everything up and it's like okay it's it's a three point win and then we and then i had made a mistake um which actually gave him two extra points. And I was like, and I was like, because we'd already shook hands. I was like, okay, 3.1. I was like, man, that was close. And then he was like, oh, actually, this and this. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, what does that set the score at? Oh, it sets it to one point win. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, damn, fuck me, that's close. Uh, and then he goes, well, actually, there was a way I could win if I if I move my armager and then shoot the shoot your Rubik Marines and I, then I'll get two points for a poor, which would be, um, which would be a win for me. And I said, I was like, all right, let's do it then. <laughs> <laughs> so one armature with calculated targeting to kill my Rubik Greens to to secure the win for Marcus, um, and then so cool, yeah, I was just like, "That's fair, man. Like, let's roll it." And uh, yeah, luckily my Rubik's lived, um, and uh, and that was the one point victory. But yeah, that was really tense. A lot of people around the table. Obviously, I was stressed out. Um, I kind of wanted to get the win after being beaten by Marcus. So, <laughs> so shout out to you, Marcus. It was a it was a great game as always. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well done. And- you know, um, if you had not like thrown the Terminators away turn one, does mm. that completely change the game? Completely changes the whole game. Mm. And you know what I did as well? I should have taken Warp Ritual, which means I could have mm. just played passively and scored. And then went, and then turn one would have been complete free roll for me. Score points, blah, blah, blah. Turn two, I could have Warp Ritual again for free with my character. And then with all my flamers come down and the Terminators and, and actually just like all my characters in position and then just like absolutely hit him super hard which would have been probably been three nights down, but I wouldn't have taken any losses for it. So it yeah. would have been a lot better. Well, you made it through this one. And then uh, that's the end. We celebrated your birthday. We got the pairings in. Yeah. And uh, you played against uh, one of the nicest guys in competitive 40K. Well, none other than Mr. Stephen Box. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how much shit was given to me at dinner. Saying <laughs> if, if I lose this game... Steven's list is actually, well, I was, I, I told him as well, I was, like, but I was pretty worried, man. We were playing Tide of Conviction oh, World yeah. of War, and uh, he was playing Elder, um, Sanham. Same hand, yeah, they're the, um, they're yeah. the red jet bike guys. Yeah, yeah, and so his list was like 15 Shining Spears, which, okay, we all know is, you know, not the most competitive list, um, but then striking, two lots of Striking Scorpions, two lots of Howling Banshees um a um the big phoenix lord um yes thing. yeah yeah he had two phoenix lords so he had baharoth and jane czar so the howling yeah. banshee and, the and then he had the big the huge monster one yeah, he had avatar and avatar, that's he had uh, the, the same hand autark is really good so he had him as well on the yeah. jet bike so vic and i were both talking about it, and we of course we talked about it a lot and we saw and we well i'm sure vic knew that i knew that mate i'm at risk of just getting like completely shut off the board and alpha strike if he goes first has shining spear, um, shining spears that can auto advance twenty two, and then um, you know auto charge with like the, the charge rolls, and then striking scorpions on the table as well that it start nine inches away from my army because every unit in his army can actually kill a unit of mine, like relatively yeah. consistently. So actually, if he pins me in on the board and then has a turn two follow up, I can't get out of my deployment zone. I'm taking big losses at the same time, and he has good secondaries against me because he doesn't have a psycho, so he could yeah. take abhor the witch and no prisoners as well. So yeah, I was honestly, I was. This was definitely not a a sure and win. And look, honestly, luckily I went, I went first, and that kind of gave me enough space to breathe. Whereas because my flamers were going to come in after he had only had one turn of movement as well, so I had that instantaneous counter pressure to whatever he did. He um, sees the opportunity. I put the rhino out a little bit on the objective um, and some rubrics. He sees the opportunity. Went all in. Um, managed to get into my Terminators, Rubrics, and the Rhino. But um, fortunately enough, he didn't kill enough Terminators, and then I had a big crack back to clean up everything there. It still could have turned a little bit if his... Um, is it... What's the character called again? The lady character? Jane Zah. Jane Zah. If she had gotten back up on the 4-up, 
but uh, he rolled a three, unfortunately. So we were both uh, we were both looking at that dice low, like, oh man, if she gets back up, because I could have counter charged her, but she can make a unit fight last as well. Um, so that and if I didn't kill her, she could have dealt a lot more damage to my army as well. So it definitely wasn't guaranteed. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great game. Um, unfortunately, I just I had I had enough damage to squeeze him out of the board and enough movability to squeeze the board once he had um, committed a lot of his resources there initially. Yeah. And, and I have to take back my comment from the previous episode that I thought Steve might struggle his way through this tournament. Steve did actually go 4-1. He only 4-1. took that loss against you there. So yep. well played, Steve. There we go. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, that was a great game. And then, uh, so that's round four. I think I dropped points. I mean, I know. I oh, actually, that was my best scoring uh, yeah. game, I think. 97. I, think I got um, 97 there, yeah. And then, uh, so that's round four. And then, you know, round five, I get Nathan on Kraken Nids, who is a uh, um, yes, really nice guy. And um, he's playing uh, like a meta Kraken list. And he, I actually played him in the semifinals of uh, the Birmingham Super Major, the first Super Major. And um, he's a really solid player, man. So this is not exactly the matchup you want, because <laughs> historically speaking, Kraken is uh, the worst matchup for Thousand Sons as well. So, um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. rough too. The only, the only saving grace I had is he didn't run two harpies. He was playing a second hive tyrant and some other stuff, which was turned out to be um, the biggest strength for me. The biggest strength for me was that I actually played against uh, Jokul Johansson from Team Iceland on Kraken Nids as well, uh, probably about a week before this event. So there were so many, you know, this is so great. Like, this is why I practice because there were so many things in that game where I was literally asking myself in my head, I was like, David, what was the things like, okay, during deployment, what did I need to, re- what did I talk about? I needed to do a deployment. I was like, okay, I need to do this. Like, cool. I did that, you know? And then I was like, okay, David, when I teleport my Terminators, what did I forget to do last time? I was like, okay, I need to like deep strike a unit of flamers, even if it's three men in front of the Terminators to screen the, the counter smites. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And it's like, there was so many like exact precise things. I was like, okay, this hard, fast rule. I always do this, this hard, fast rule. I always do that. And that's, uh, those are kind of the constructs that I like to establish of how to play matchups um, in my head in 40k. So, yeah, I managed to managed to win that one. The thing about that mission was uh, it was one where you can move the objectives. And um, the thing about that one is T-Suns, if you move, if you win the roll-off, you can move them into your ruin and you can place banners down for a solid 10 points. And then once I can take Wrath and Magnus, banners and Warp Ritual, uh, those are actually just three secondaries he can't interact with at all. So I can play a completely passive game and get like 93, on, the, on a great day, 90, 97 points. So I get 15 on Wrath of Magnus, I get 10 on Banners, and then, oh, not 10, um, 97, um, 93 points, sorry. Uh, 10 on Banners, and then 12 on Warp Ritual. And Warp Ritual, of course, you can move the character in, cast Warp Ritual, Undeniable, teleport him out, and then Warp Temporal Surge the unit that teleported him out back off the ruin. So completely uninteractable, they can't do anything about it. Um, so yeah, that game was good. I mean, obviously I know Kraken like the absolute back of my hand, so... I knew exactly where to map everything out. I knew exactly where, where, how far his units could reach, the damage output and everything like that. And, and I just knew where to kind of tackle it. I always knew that I wanted to make the play where I'd sit my Terminators up right on the corner of a board and then look into the open ruin that he had to move into one turn. So um, he played a little bit too passive and gave me a free turn, which meant that I could come down with my Flamers and my Terminators on that turn looking into the ruin and just hit him a bit hard. He also whiffed on his Hive Tyrant. His Hive Tyrant uh, did what mine did to Alex at uh, LGT. Completely whiffed into a target that he should have killed, and uh, I know exactly what that feels like. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the, that was the five games. I just uh, kind of played like Meta, Meta Blood Angels, um, Marcus Hinson on Knights, uh, your old list in uh, Empress Children, Stephen Box, and then uh, Kraken Nids on a good player. So, Ouch. yeah, although we got through it five and You got well, through it, man. Well, while I was struggling, you were succeeding in great, uh, great bouts. So it was off to the cut. Yes. Now, oh, yeah. Let me do the rankings because that's quite interesting here. So, because uh, there were eight undefeated players, you you came in at eighth place, dropping sixty points with your thousand yep. sons and flamers, and then we had Dan Whitaker who came in with Harlequins. Uh, Dan's an incredibly good player, like very very good, and he dropped forty nine points. And then we had Josh Roberts from Team England, one of the Team England captains, mm-hmm. and he dropped thirty nine points also with thousand suns and flamers. So including myself, that was the three thousand suns and flamers list in the top eight. Yep. And then there was also one more Harlequins player, Mike Porter, coming in on fifth place. He just missed the cut. We're talking like a couple of points from getting through it. Yeah. Uh, but instead, he was overtaken by Jake Willstrup, who's on pure Thousand Suns, no flamers. Yeah. 30 Terminators. 
30 Terminators. Yeah. Um, and then we also had uh, Nassim, who came third on points. And then myself, uh, Nassim was on Tau. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and then me with uh, the Thousand Sons of Flamers. And then we had Brian, Brian Seep. Who came in with orcs? He actually won Leicester last year with orcs. Uh, yeah, he did. So he—he's wow. he's the reigning uh, Leicester super major champion, having yeah. won it with orcs uh, last he's year. Orc, so orc commander, orc man. master. Um, yeah. So I mean, in terms of the top eight, we've got um, yourself, me, and Josh Roberts on Thousand Suns Flamers, and then. Everything else was a different army, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, uh, Thousand Suns itself, but that's 30 Terminators. It's a very different list. Dan and Mike Cal- on Harlequins. Ah, yeah, Dan Dan and Mike on Harlequins as well. And look, I'm going to get crap for it if I don't do it, but Mike Costello actually finished 4-1. and one. Sorry. So 4-1 nice. came in 10th there as well. Oh, yeah, he's right up there. Yeah. So I would say a, a healthy meta, even albeit one that was uh, people predicted was going to be dominated by a particular broken faction, allegedly. So I would say uh, definitely a good run. Shout out to Brian, of course, going second place with Orcs. But um, but before we get into that, we had a bit of a spicy one because uh, Nassim versus yourself versus Nassim. Is this the first time you've played Nassim in a tournament? Yeah, first time. I have never even played a practice game with Nassim. Never even played but a practice game with him. It feels like we're best friends because I see him and hang out with him every tournament. Uh, yeah. And we always have a laugh. We played in a team together at the team event a few weeks yeah. back. Um, but yeah, Nassim... Uh, so this mission was number six, which uh, is always been in UKTC events, a hammer and anvil mission. So we're playing the, as far away from each other as possible along mm-hmm. the long edge of the board. And um, it, in this mission, there's been a change in the terrain since the previous tournament, because I think multiple people, including myself, gave some feedback on this, that the middle ruin was very, very open. So essentially against armies like Tau, fast armies, even armies like Eldar with Swooping Hawks, it's really easy to get angles into all of the terrain pieces in your opponent's deployment. Mm -hmm. So if you go first, you can just wipe people off the board. The change has been made to make that middle L tucked further into deployment and also rotate it. So it's like an arrowhead pointing down the other side of the board. So you can actually functionally use that to hide stuff. this game was really interesting because I found out with about 10 minutes to spare that I was playing against Nassim. And uh, Nassim, you know, Nassim is brimming with confidence. He's a very confident player. He's played over the course of this tournament about like three hours of Warhammer over five rounds because <laughs> he just <laughs> gets through his games so fast and tries to finish them in the first two or three turns. Um so he came into this like, oh, yeah, he's like rubbing his hands like he's going to, you know, he, he just kill me. And I'm there sitting. I've got to yeah, work yeah. out what my win condition is before this game starts. And uh, I was I was in peak like energy mode because I just played that game against Nathan. And I really wanted to play this game as perfectly as I could strategically. And in my head, I like I know what happens if, say, the Terminators come out. Uh, I know that all all 10 Terminators will die like just like that. He can very easily kill eight Terminators just with a couple of Riptides and a Commander, let alone with the rest of the army shooting on top of it. Um, so functionally, I can't play a head-on fight here. The ideal kind of game for me is one where I am hidden on first turn. Um, yeah. So I was able to just about set that up here. So there, I, I kind of s- measured out all of his potential threat ranges we had with a redeploy if he went first. I have to accept that the Flyers are going to be able to bomb me if they want to shoot me, they can shoot me, but I want to have important stuff on cover so mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and also with the minus one damage, you can really mitigate just the flyer shooting. If he leaves them on the board instead of just bombing me and leaving the table, I know I'll get the flyers on my turn, which will almost definitely be a trade up. Mm-hmm. Um, and his riptides and his 18 inch moving crisis suit unit can only go so far that, yes, they'll be able to draw a little bit of an angle, but only with either a few crisis suits and certainly not with the riptides. And they won't so, be able to fire and fade back into cover either. Exactly. So I wanted it to be a position where he has to leave stuff extremely exposed if he wants to use it, and mm-hmm. the damage will be suboptimal and my hit back will be much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I created this situation in deployment, and my um, plan through the game was that I wanted to hold eight primary, uh, and I wanted to try and put NAS down to four primary every turn. Mm. Now, this is a tricky thing to do. Uh, actually, the putting NAS down to four primary is easier to do 
than trying to keep myself at eight primary. To uh-huh. keep myself at eight primary on the scouring, both objectives are just outside your deployment zone. Uh-huh. And uh, I have to hang a model out in the open in order to do that. Uh-huh. Nas made a, a choice early on in his deployment to put his crisis suit on one side. And uh, the, I th- it, personally, I haven't even like really discussed it with him because it was, everything was such a blur. But I think he put his crisis suit on the wrong side. He put his crisis suits exactly opposite, opposite. Yeah. the um, the open objective. It's the hardest right. angle to get onto your open objective, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In order to get an angle onto my open objective, he has to really put himself in the open with mm. that crisis suit unit. And he put his riptides on the other side. So I knew the riptides are the things that are going to be able to shoot onto my open objective. Mm-hmm. Now, that's still a scary thing. But two Riptides shooting into a Rubric Marine squad, uh, which have a four-up invuln. If I keep a CP reroll and my free reroll from the, uh, the, the Glimpse of Eternity, mm-hmm. um, I have a very good chance of surviving and holding on to my primary. He can't physically move on to my objective with anything. Mm. And then I have a lot of things I can do with kind of... Um, temporal surging a rubric squad and then charging into whatever like uh, his riptides which are near his yeah. other objective to try and nick that from him and keep him on fours mm-hmm. and also prevent him from raising a banner on his objectives mm. um i also knew he had decide he was going to take decisive action which is points four points uh towards the end of the game mm-hmm. um if he holds more objectives than me so he would have to put something onto the middle objective now his army has very little obsec um and i know that if i can just wait until the last turn and dump all my terminators onto that middle objective mm. i have a chance of making him miss one miss of his uh, decisive actions yeah. and swing me over to a 12 so that's my yeah. turn four plan um which which worked out by one terminator i had one terminator left <laughs> on that objective because yeah, that's the turn i just put my entire army out in front of him and gave him too much to deal with yeah um so yeah so this is an interesting game because Nas is an aggressive player and I like to play passively. And I got first turn. Nas put both of his planes into the sky. And his first thing he said to me, really? he looked That's at just... it after I played my turn. I barely did anything on my turn. Wow. Um, he looked at it and he was just like, oh my God, we're going to have to play a passive game against you here. And I was like, yeah, we're going to be playing three hours, Nas. Yeah. Uh, wow. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm shocked that he put the planes in reserve because that mission is deep deployment as well. And like we talked about too, to shoot the planes, when they, if they're at the back of the board, your whole army is going to have to be exposed. Yeah. And then he would just crack back with his entire army into whatever shot the planes, which is obviously going to be a trade down. The thing is, you know what happened here that I think Nas didn't realize the way I was going to play this game. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And the because... context of this, guys, is that I played Nassim yep. uh, and beat him playing Thousand Suns. And I, I think obviously... A big difference between the two of us is that, two of us is that I play very aggressive in general, right? Like that's I feel like that's where I shine, and um, I played very aggressive against Nassim with the turn one teleport, etc., against him as well. So I think he had that in the back of his head, right? <laughs> yeah, he had that in the back, of, and he even told me the best way for Thousand Suns to play against me is to play aggressively. Mm. So that adds up why he put the 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 planes in reserves, mm. but actually. Like, just purely on paper, I'm winning this game by more than 15 points. Mm-hmm. If, if everything, like, I don't even have to try very hard. It's just, that's just what's going to happen. And if he tries to break that cycle and play through it, um, he's going to end up losing so many resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so he realized that very quickly. Like, I think he realized that after turn one, that he was, he was going to lose this game. Um, unless something drastically changed here. Um, and he, at that point, he um, he kind of like just carried on going through the motions because he had no choice. He can't just suddenly switch up and go aggressive because that doesn't work. You can't rely on like a 5% chance at that point. You have mm. to rely on his cow yon turns being mm. the ones where the swing happens. So we played out the first three turns uh and then we went through to turn four or five uh and i did my whole play of denying him and getting like a 12 point swing on decisive action getting a 12 on the primary and then nas was like put the clock on me and uh and nas like downed a pint and and the game just became a laugh from then on in. Uh, but yeah you know uh, what's funny is like um and on like a very high level is that um 
if if and I can I'll just say what I would have done because I think it's a, definitely an interesting contrast, right? If Nassim put both of his planes in reserve, mm-hmm. I prob I would have played mega aggressive, me personally, because yeah. I would have tried. I would have been like, if he's got two planes in reserve, and that means he's only got a couple of commanders, a suit unit, and two riptides. If I can knock one of those out, put my whole army on the board, like let's go. <laughs> but maybe that was wrong, right? Because like obviously you know you can map out the passive play and and win there as well, right? But do you not think maybe it was correct to, and I'm saying this in hindsight of you winning yeah. the game, of course, but do you not think maybe it's correct to play extremely aggressive on turn two after he sees you play passive? Just say, oh, you know, just play a passive game, I can win. He's going to go, mm, damn, okay. Over, you know, extend a little bit. Turn two, hit him with absolutely everything with the Flamers as well, whilst he still has two Sun Sharks only coming down the next turn. The thing is, he doesn't really have good angles because I'm literally giving him one Rubric Marine to shoot at. Yeah. On a good yeah. angle. Um, so if he does want to go for me, like really push out and trade, he's trading for a couple of Rubric Marine squads around the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's just going to get all the mortal wounds and all the... T- because the Terminators are completely hidden. There's no point where you can shoot them. Yeah. Um, the clapback's going to be too much. And Nas is like, yeah. Nas is exceptionally good at the game. Yeah. And um, yeah, he maybe missed my strategy, but... Yeah he knew what would make him lose the game immediately. Uh, And in a way, he's quite clever here because he realized that, yes, he's probably losing the game, but he also doesn't want to miss out on a podium position because going really aggressive has a very high chance of a blowout game where he Mm. scores like 30 points. So instead, he ended up like scoring quite a few points on that game. So he's still there was only six points in it uh, towards the end. Right. Um, because yeah, I, I just on the last turn we were just having a laugh, so I just put my whole army in, and he just killed everything. Yeah. Um, so Sounds like yeah. a good game. Yeah, it was Mark, a great game. There it was we a go. Great game, and and it's so just, up, so, yeah. So at this point, Brian beats the Thousand Suns player. Yep. They're, so they're Brian goes through to the final with his orcs, and mm-hmm. Brian's playing a, a really cool orc list. Um, he's playing goths and. Um, it's it's something you can't practice against much, to be honest. Very difficult. Uh, yeah. very difficult. He has two uh, of these 16 wound T8 trucks, which only cost like 120 points. Um, oh, yeah. And then he has like another truck with some truck boys that can disembark after uh, it's moved. So I'm just like, oh, what's your threat range, Brian? And he's like, oh, yeah, the Storm Boys have a maximum theoretical threat range of 30, but they auto advance six on a war turn. And um, then uh, he said, yeah, the truck can move 12 inches. The guys inside can get out, advance and charge. So that's going, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, OK, so I, I, as long as I stay back here and I'm just pointing at like the corner of the board. <laughs> so <laughs> I, in this you're game, exist right in this five inch space and you're saying, yeah, in, in this game, he also has better secondaries than me. So mm. um, there are multiple very, very strong orc secondaries. So. I essentially set up in my head that I'm going to give him one or two units further forward here and I'm going to play like quite defensive and back. I'm going to mm-hmm. accept that he's going to get primary, extreme primary advantage probably for the first two turns. It mm-hmm. should be 12-4, 12-4 on the up to turn three. Uh, and then I'm hoping that I can like slowly pick away units all the way around the edge until I can just kill him towards the end of the game and catch up and win by a small amount. Um it kind of went like that. He uh, he ended up uh, like getting first turn, which is bad on this mission. We're eighteen inches apart. First uh-huh. turn puts his whole like puts like a chunk of stuff in front of me and tucks in all his infantry really deep into terrain, so uh-huh. it's tricky to get to them. And I play on my entire backboard edge with my whole army. It's a one long line. Uh, with the Terminators, like a few can shoot at this unit, a few can shoot at that unit, a few can shoot at that. And uh, I just got a little bit of Sorcerer's Prowess, blew up one of the trucks, uh, got a couple of angles, picked up some of the Mega Knobs and like killed 15 troops in one unit, 15 in another, a couple of Grots, and uh, ended up just getting four on the primary. He got his 12. Uh, One more turn, similar kind of thing happened. He got his 12, I got my four. And then after that, 
the flamers came in everything and everything just died and um he ended up like getting less than kind of i had in my head because i didn't realize just how quickly the orcs die once the vehicles uh, yeah and he had spent the wag already right so he wasn't he didn't have access to the five up and vulnerable when the flamers came down was it yeah yeah the flamers really went in on turn three actually mm. no he did have wa up on that turn six up uh, though not the five up uh, it? Yeah, it was a five-up in one. I think oh, okay, on the sorry. first turn of the war. So yeah, he did have it up, but it was, they were mostly shooting vehicles and things. And uh, yeah, the five-up save isn't going to save you from this volume of fire. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brian, I had a great game. He was a gentleman, even though we're playing almost up to you know eleven o'clock here. Yeah. Uh, and we had a great laugh, and yeah, managed to take the win. Managed to take it. Got the W. Yeah. Five side forty k going undefeated. Vic, absolutely crushing it. Again, I'm. You know, we're gonna have to call this episode "Vic Crushes Lister," and I'm like, "You're two and zero against me on the uh, title." Maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> we should have started this podcast at the beginning of the year. You smashed it as well. I think we had a great time, and you know, uh, we'll probably maybe on the next episode touch on what our direction is going forward. But we're coming up to the Christmas break now. It's a bit of a quiet time. Coming up to the Christmas break, but we have two more super majors left. Mm-hmm. I think in the rotation, we've got Nottingham. And then the big LVO. So, Vic, you're obviously ranked one in the world right now. You've got quite a points lead as well. I think there is... It's going to be interesting, these last two events. I think, once again, despite how much the Yanks are talking about, oh, the UK's got so many events, you know, which we do, of course, because we're, we're great. Um, <laughs> I, there's still, it still feels like the position where LVO could settle at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. LVO settles it for, I think, everyone in the top five of the ITC. Crazy, right? I know you're yeah, right. We would have played four from number three, number four, number four. Yeah, number four at the moment. We would have played. I think um, someone's got like one point on me. Sorry. We would have played all of the UK TC majors mm-hmm. and LGT, and then we would have gone to LVO, and and still it's going to get decided to LVO despite the Americans not coming over here to play LGT, right? Yeah, because they have really long uh, round events as well with the Games yeah. Workshop events. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's going to be, be a, it's going to be a nail biter of a finish. It's still up for grabs from any of us, man. Should be good. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm looking forward to... Um, what are you looking forward to over the next event? Uh, so I'm going on holiday to India for a few weeks, oh, literally nice. up until the week before the event. So uh, <laughs> I have no idea what... I'm just going to just kind of wing it. Uh, uh, What's it? Astro Militarum? Are, are they allowed for Nottingham? I think they are allowed. They I are. don't know which models are going to be out, but that's something I'm looking at as well. Yeah, I mean, if Astro Militarum are out, they're going to be a strong presence uh, to consider. But obviously, I'm not going to have the modeling time to get that ready. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll also we'll see. see if the Flamer nerf exists at that point. <laughs> if it does. And look, I, I think Vic and I, you, would, you and I both agree that if Flamers get nerfed to a point where they're unplayable, so in a hypothetical situation, completely unplayable on the points, Mm-hmm. I still, I still think the Thousand Suns Inch list will be strong. Won't think, be as strong, but I yeah. still think it'd be a strong list. I think it'll be very good. You still have to tech into demons, though. That's the thing, for sure, because yep. you need the Zinch demon powers for this list to work. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what other archetypes and whether they're competitive yeah. enough uh, come out. I think there's with... still a little bit in the Zinch list that hasn't really been looked into. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there's still a bit of depth there. Absolutely, there is. There definitely is nice well there we go vic the champ taking down leicester super major number one in the itc and my good friend we're killing it dude nothing would make me happier than for one of us to uh win the itc overall and then we can bag nothing would make me happier than for us as i told you earlier to be one and two oh, whoever it would is be great but <laughs> we just gotta roll with the punches man see how it all ends up and i hope uh, all you listeners who've still with us at this point have enjoyed this episode we've gone in quite in depth to a high volume of games if you like the content let us know leave us a like leave us comments about what you'd like to see more of or what you didn't like or what you did like and we'll catch you uh, next time at the fireside thank you for listening to the 40k fireside podcast Vic and i hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show 